just because it's obvious doesn't make it easy, right? Like, yeah, okay, sure, we need to modernize, we need to do all these things, but moving a big ship, especially a size of a company like Google is very, very challenging. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. Welcome to Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the luxury of hosting Maria Curl. My name is Sagi. I'm the CEO and founder of Tonkin. Thank you, Mary, for joining us today. Thank you, Sagi. It's great to be here. Mary has a long history with operations. You were the head of legal operations in Google and president of Clock, which is the biggest community for legal operations, and now the chief community officer in Ironclad. What is legal operations? How did it even start it? I mean, legal operations, the short answer is that it's the function that manages operations for the legal department. So in an in-house corporate legal department, really no different than like marketing ops or sales ops or dev ops or people's ops, et cetera. If I were to elaborate on that a little bit more, it really describes legal operations as like the set of business processes, activities, and people that enable the legal team to serve their clients more effectively. And that's by using business and technical practices to add to the delivery of legal services. So things like strategic planning, financial management, project management, technology expertise, things that enable the legal professionals to really focus on providing the legal advice. So as a legal operations professional, you're just really laser focused on efficiency and effectiveness. And so as a result, interestingly, we've we've actually created like a demand in the industry for better pricing models, different ways to deliver legal services, different types of providers, and not just law firms anymore, but you have also legal technology and data analytics and project management for lawyers that all this sort of like never existed before legal operations was born. And all that sort of created new roles, new job functions throughout the legal ecosystem, and, you know, is now also impacting legal education and lawyer training, because the way that we practice law in the future is just going to look really different. It's going to require much more collaboration. It's going to require more technical skills. It's going to require more data analytics. And so all this is happening right now and has happened sort of over the last, you know, 15 years or so. I think what's extra exciting to me personally about legal operations is, as you mentioned, it It's the transition happening like happened in sales operations and dev operations and marketing operations, but it just happened and and it's been happening for a while, but then all of a sudden it came from a nuanced thing to like something that I feel like a lot of companies are taking as an obvious step, you know, as they grow their corporate legal and so for people that are not from the space of legal tech or legal operations, they might not know it, but for many you are considered one of the godmothers of legal operators. Before you joined Google and to start that department, what was it like in corporate legal before the time of legal operations? Yeah. So for those who aren't that familiar with the legal industry or the way legal departments work, 
you really have to remember that this is an industry that was frozen in time for decades. Like nothing had advanced, nothing had been modernized, and you still have lawyers working by themselves, you know, solo in an office with their heads down with tons of paper. And that's still how it really was at the beginning. So you're right. I joined Google in 2008. At the time, I was the first hire in a field called legal operations. You could Google that term and you would find nothing. It was sort of this like made up job that they had brought me in for. And my general counsel said to me, we're scaling very quickly. We have no processes. We have no procedures. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're growing super, super fast. So we got to have somebody come in like you and fix things and find the problems and like make sure that we can scale and do things better. So that was kind of the job description. And like I said, there wasn't other people doing this role. So it was a lot of bringing kind of my background from my background was in business. So consulting and finance to come in and like identify problems, kind of ask people what's keeping them up at night. You know, what is the current situation and where do we want to go as a department? And, you know, just some stories to set the stage of what it looked like. One of my favorite stories, I met with our head of litigation and I said, okay, I want to understand how things are currently done. What systems do you use to track your budgets and who's working on your, all your resources? And she's like, what systems? I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, okay. Maybe we don't have like a software program for that, but like maybe you use like a spreadsheet. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, your budget, like, where do you manage your budget? And she goes, we don't have budgets. We've never had budgets. I'm like, okay, this is a fortune, you know, 500 tech company. We don't have budgets. That's a little frightening. We're going to need to have some budgets. And I said, okay, well, how do you track like who's working on what, you know, what law firm are you engaged with on which matters and which are the internal people working on it? And she's like, shows me the top of her laptop, which is covered in post-its. And she's like, I use post-its, duh. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, what What have I walked into? I asked, you know, people, how are they engaging counsel? They just pick up the phone, call people they used to work with. I go, where are your engagement letters? Where are your contracts? They're like, ah, I don't know. Somewhere. It was just a bit of a mess. We had no tech, no tools, no resources, no standard operating procedures. So if you found 10 people doing the exact same job, they were doing it 10 different ways. That was what I walked into tons of low hanging fruit. You know, you can imagine my surprise walking into that kind of a department. And that's not to say that they were bad or like not run efficiently or effectively. That's how all legal departments were run. And it was status quo. It's fine. There was this whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude and mindset. Right. And, and, and frankly, there still is in the legal industry because They've been doing it the same way for so long and no one has questioned it. And so it's fine, right? Everyone sort of thinks it's fine. We'll just keep doing it this way. There is likely no better way. So that is what I walked into. It's fascinating to me because when you think about having standard processes and having organized tools and alignment between different people, you 10 people doing 10 different things. It's always like obvious in retrospect, like how can you run anything not like that? But what's fascinating is that it feels like it was always the case. And I'm always kind of thinking, is that new? Is that like in the last 20 years? Or is that just a normal progression of us as people figuring things out? We try it out. We kind of, oh, okay, that works. We stay with it. And then at one point, something happens that kind of causes us to reassess. I saw a YouTube video 
where at one point you mentioned that, you know, you joined 2008 Google, and that was obviously the, the Great Recession and a big macro event, you know, that happened that time. Do you think that was part of why they felt like they need to organize it? Because otherwise, why wouldn't they forever stay, you know, in the status quo? Absolutely. So 2008, you know, is when I started. We all remember that to be the end of the world, the Great Recession. It felt like all the banks, the whole world was falling apart. And with that, though, every company, at least during that year, had to tighten the belt, had to start looking internally and saying, you know, how can we do things better? And you look at the legal department and they always had a free pass, right? Oh, we're a reactive team. We don't know what we're going to spend. We get sued and we have to spend money. But that sort of excuse was no longer okay. And regulations were growing and the world just got much more complex. And so legal departments were starting to get more scrutiny from the CEO and CFO to do things more efficiently and effectively, whereas every other sort of corporate vertical had already gone that direction. So it was our turn. I mean, it was time for legal to have more pressure and for legal operations professionals to get hired because lawyers are also just not trained on business practices. Like they go to law school where they don't teach them anything about you know how to run a business. And then they go to a law firm where they're trained similar things. And then all of a sudden they're in-house and they've got a responsibility to manage a budget, to manage technology, to manage professional development, uh, to manage teams. And that's all very new to the general counsel or lawyer in charge. And they need to focus on really being the best lawyer in the room. And so that gave birth to the rise of the legal operations professional who had business backgrounds, operational backgrounds, who could come in and really focus on scaling the department, putting in the processes, putting things in place and sort of examining the current state and making things better. And so, like you said, things are very obvious. It all seems like common sense. And we had a saying on my old team in operations, which was just because it's obvious doesn't make it easy, right? Like, yeah, okay, sure, we need to modernize, we need to do all these things, but moving a big ship, especially a size of a company like Google is very, very challenging. You really have to be thoughtful about the three levers that we talk about in operations, right? People, process, and technology. Well, we often want to jump to tech, but tech should be the easy part. It's usually the people and the mindset and like convincing people that we need to change or have a new way of doing things. That is the harder part and a big part of all of our jobs. It really is almost like a culture shift Mm -hmm. more than anything else. It's almost like we've been focused on the product or like the work product of what we do every day. And now we need to focus on how we build that product, almost as important as the product itself. And I'm giving that example because I think when you do look back into sort of like what is one of the first obvious operations roles, probably the first one was DevOps, right? And then sales ops right after that. But really, when you think about it, a lot of companies are still lagging in how fast they're investing in that. They're mm-hmm. mostly waiting for things to break before they put the right leadership and the right resources behind it. It's always crazy to me that a company as big as Google had to kind of have a macroeconomic thing happen to do that. You know, in 2021, now, the obvious question is, you know, 2020 was definitely another that kind of a macro thing. And I know from our perspective, you know, with Tonkin, we definitely saw that change of thinking of, oh, we need to move fast. Customers and companies need to move fast, need to continue grow 
in an area where everything changed beneath their feet, right? Yep. And you made some interesting moves during that time too and decided to join a different company. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? In 2008, you know, Google, it seems like, oh, it took a recession to make them come into that mindset to want this role. But you have to remember, it was the first of its kind. So Google actually was very forward thinking and innovative and a first mover in that way. You know, we had to drag the rest of the industry kicking and screaming over the last 15 years. So 2020 is 2020, 2021, even like, when will this all end? But it's it's taught us a lot, right? And I actually heard someone call it the great acceleration the other day, where companies are now like realizing that you can't wait for, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You can't have that mindset because by the time it's broken, it's too late and all of your competitors will have far outpaced you. The speed that businesses are operating is faster and faster because technology is accelerating other parts of the business, right? So if I think about sitting in the legal seat, like marketing is getting faster, sales operations is getting faster, finance operations are getting faster, everyone else is getting faster. We can't sit around and be the one part of the company that slows everyone down. So you've got to keep up. And that I think just accelerated even more in the last year and a half or two years. So much had changed in our lives that it it actually forced that mindset shift Everything, like you said, got ripped out from under our feet. So the fact that, you know, you could still stay at work and go, well, I'm not going to change the way I do my job. Like that was no longer okay. You know, things that maybe we spent years convincing people about, you know, before the pandemic, all of a sudden became a necessity to survive. Like you need to invest in technology. You've got to automate stuff. You've got to do things faster because you simply cannot scale and you cannot collaborate and you cannot keep up with this sort of remote world that we're in if you don't start doing those things. So we have talked about how for an operations person, it, it, it sounds terrible because it was and continues to be very difficult times for all of us, but it's a gift, right? I mean, I think you accelerate your operations and technology and process improvement and change management in times of, you know, shortages and like restricted resources and just the fact that you're not going to have unlimited budgets and headcounts. And how are you going to continue to keep up, do things faster and do more of it with what you have? And that's where I think operations and technology really comes in. I loved when, you know, you described, because again, those are the things that in retrospect are easy to forget, right? That although Google needed a 2008 to happen, they were still the first movers, yeah. very early movers and kind of had to pull everyone. There's a global concept of that. That's the story of Google with gigabyte operations. But I also think that there's a local personal thing for a lot of people, a lot of companies where they are trying to take that first step within a department or within a company of saying, okay, I want to invest more in operations. I understand it. I believe it. I want to invest in it. What do you do? Like you mentioned earlier, people with business background were like, what are you hiring for? What are the things that you need to think differently on if you want to invest in this now? One of the things you mentioned earlier is that I helped create a community of legal ops professionals, and that became the largest community in the world and, and a real movement. And the reason I believe so much in that and have joined Ironclad now as their chief community officer is because I really believe that we can't excel in a job or excel in any part of our life on our own. You really need to leverage the people around you. So 
if you believe in operations and you're sitting in that leadership role thinking, okay, where do I get started? I think the best thing to do is not to start from scratch. It's to talk to others who have done it. What has the impact been for someone else who's hired that role? How did that, how did it look? Where did they begin? Where did they find that person? You know, really reach out to your network and, and talk to others and see how others have done it and not necessarily copy that, but learn from that. The other thing that I often recommend to people is if you really believe in it, invest in it at the right levels and empower that person. So it's very easy for a lot of folks to say, I'm just going to dabble in it, start small, see how it goes, maybe have someone split their time and be you know, a finance person and an ops person, or I maybe be a lawyer, but also dabble in tech implementations at the same time. Look, that is just not the best way to get things done and to really unlock the impact that an operations role can have. And in fact, I've been starting to call the next level or the next, the version 2.0 of legal operations, and maybe that's true for other business operations, strategy and operations, or you hear the term strat ops now more than just ops. And I think that's really important because if you're investing at the right levels, if you're empowering the right person, then you're bringing someone in who can be the right hand to the department lead. And maybe that's, you know, the decision maker who's trying to hire for this they can help you figure out what the role is or what the opportunities are. You know, so many general counsels ask me, okay, Mary, if I hire someone, what should I have them work on? And I said, that's not your job. Your job is not to tell them what to work on. Your job is to empower them to be in the room, to know where the company is going, to know what the department's priorities are, and then to be able to see around the corners, know where the department needs to go in five years, come up with that plan for you, tell you what needs to happen next and where they need your support, where they need your investment. But, you know, I tell folks, your operations and strat ops person should be the one coming up with initiatives and saying, okay, here are five things we could focus on next year, you know, especially at this time of year and saying, let's talk through those. What do you think are important? Which ones resonate with you? Which ones do you want to put your support and investment behind? And, and that's the direction of the, the workload that should flow. Like, the operations person telling their leadership team where the department should go versus just kind of sitting back and waiting for direction. I think that if you hire the right person, you don't need to tell them what to do. Oh, I love it because I think what I'm hearing a lot too is how do you measure operations? What is the goals? And I think when you put that in the perspective of this is actually a strategy role, the role is about coming up with the metrics and the goals. I think that makes a much clearer and simpler way of looking at, you know, where does that benefit? I also think that we started this podcast because we felt like there is a shift. There is a shift, dare I say, finally, there is a shift in the focus and in the importance of you can't have department that execute, that expects to execute on a certain level without having someone responsible and leading really the machine for that and the strategy around it and again the operation around it from your experience really building that entire thing going through that steps of making it a nuanced thing to now a standard of how do i do that for the legal department what is the next thing what is the next gap that is missing from how we think about operations how we design for that where do we invest in it what are we not doing so I think it's kind of what we just touched on, that the 2.0 and moving it to a more strategic role. I think oftentimes when you've got your first hire, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. There's a lot of things that are very messy, and you've got to be a lot more tactical and executional about 
just making sure that everything is in there to make the trains run on time, right? That's sort of what I call like the day-to-day operations are working smoothly and that you've right-sourced your organization. That's another term that I use a lot in you know, what do we do in, in operations? It's, it's really about right-sourcing, which is matching all of your resources with the right value of work, like looking at all the work and demand that's coming in and figuring out what needs to be done by a lawyer, by a paralegal, by an outside counsel, by technology and automation, and figuring out how to match those up correctly. So a lot of that is setting up the processes for that, setting the technology up for that, and then just kind of maintaining and operating the department day to day. I think that to me is what is like 1.0, the day to day operations, getting it functioning smoothly. And then the next piece is the strategy, right, is is being the right hand and being able to kind of plan for where the department needs to go, what it should look like, coming up with the metrics of success and what success looks like in one year, two years, five years. So that's where investment and empowerment really comes into play, because you really need to get the right people in those roles at the right levels, the more senior levels to have the gravitas, to have you know, be able to influence others in your leadership team about the direction of the department. It's been more proactive, right? It's kind of comes down to that. Yeah. It's not only when things are broken and then you bring someone to fix it. Like you bring someone to be proactive about it and build an infrastructure. That's exactly right. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thank you for your time today. I felt like this was a great conversation. I've learned a lot. And, you know, I always like to ask if, you know, people want to follow up with you or ask questions or you know follow you on social where should we point them to you can find me both on linkedin and on twitter and i love having conversations with folks about what's going on in, in their world so if you'd like to meet up i'm happy to awesome well thank you very much mary that was fun and i really appreciate the time thanks so much talk to you soon all right i hope you enjoyed this episode of modern business operations you can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community.